0: quit your day job my name is paul and i am your host and today who i just learned is from relatively close by in erie pennsylvania i have uh sonny lambardozzi from the newish band called the rise from worms sonny thanks so much for coming on the show
1: thank you sir right
0: on so i guess um most famously you played in, uh, in the death metal band, Incantation, and now you're doing this new thing with Arise oh. from Worms. Um, but I want to start with the idea of the, the metal community. So the bands that you play with, they're death metal bands. So not melodic death, not thrash, not it's like death or technical death. So is that pretty much right? Am I getting my genres right there?
1: Uh, they, yeah, I mean, I've done other bands before, you know what I mean? That were not death metal at all, you know? Okay. I, mean, uh, I did, uh, oh man, I was in an Ozzy tribute band for two years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm learning all the Randy and Jakey e. Lee solos, you know, that was a nightmare. So is, uh, was it
0: early? Was it early Ozzy, or did it include Zach?
1: Uh, they did, but well, at the time I think we did like stuff off No Rest for the Wicked. Okay. Um, maybe uh, I can't think of the name, but it was really popular radio hit. No more tears, okay, maybe. Right. Uh, it was right around that uh, vein, but after that, I I left. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it anymore. I, I was just so burned out. Okay. Uh, playing other people's music, you know, and then uh, I said, I gotta go. <laughs> you know, because it starts taking you over a little bit. You know, right, I mean, right. you gotta write something, and next just you know, I was like. And that sounds just like Jakey e. Lee or something, you know what I mean? It's just you don't mean to, but it's just you know, you got that those licks drilled into your head, right? So much, and they played out twice a week, and it was just it was crazy, you know. I mean, biker festivals and, and uh, you know, fairs and all kinds of stuff, you know. But, so but on a, the other
0: hand, when you're doing something like that, people dig it, right? It's really popular, and people want to hear those songs, and so there's some gratification for playing music, even if it's not your music, playing that in front of fans.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Here and there. I call it here and there, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people, you know, uh, would say, oh, yeah, you know, you brought so much life to those songs, you know, because you put a little bit of your flavor in there. Right. And then, of course, you got some, you know, harder core fans are like, oh, dude, that 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 little thing ain't in there you know what i mean but what i would do is i would go watch live videos of jakey lee you know what i mean Mm -hmm. or zach Wild, and i would see what they would do live because you know when they overdub which guitar part do you take Right. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. I wouldn't know. So unless I seen them live, I'm like, okay, that's what they're taking right there. So that's what I took, you know, but right. most people don't know that overdub thing, you know, they just know For raising sure. that beer and spilling it all <laughs> over themselves. So.
0: <laughs> so do you, so do, are you a, would you call yourself a death metal player? You know, is that, is that your preferred genre at this point in your life?
1: Uh, yeah, yes and no. I mean, I'm more of uh, a metal instrumental type guy. Okay. You know, okay. uh, I mean, I grew up on like, you know, Jason Becker and Cacophony and, you know, Marty Friedman and uh, Racer X and, you know, stuff like that. I grew up on that era. And then the death metal thing, how you know, it actually started, it was just like nobody in that era was into what I was doing. So I started playing with some of the heavier guys okay. and then I just took that shred style and threw it into into the death metal stuff and, you know here I am now,
0: you know? So, yeah. So, so before we get back into that, um, you, you just mentioned shred. So I've interviewed, uh, uh an LA player. The reason the podcast started uh, a high school friend of mine named Mark Tremalia, you know, he came up in the eighties in the, in the shred scene in LA and, uh, and Jimmy Bell has been on the podcast a couple of times and he's, oh, you cool. know, yeah, he's like super shredder shredder guy. Right. And so mm-hmm. one of the things hey. I asked him was, is Shredder, like when someone says, oh, that guy's a Shredder, is that is that a good or a bad thing? You know, if someone says, Sonny's a Shredder, is that is that a positive or a negative, you think?
1: Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only time I get upset, or not really upset, but where somebody says something about a Shredder, is like, oh, man, that dude's a Shredder. And when you listen to the guys playing, it's like, okay, he's solo and he's got some hot licks, but he's not really a Shredder. You know what I mean? Shred to me is is somebody's just, just got veins popping out of their neck and they're going for it <laughs> and, and playing the craziest arpeggios and stuff. And, and compared to the guy that, uh, um, I said, well, no, he rips. You know what I mean? He's yeah, a good yeah. yeah, but he's not a shredder. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, type thing. So a lot of people get that confused. Like, oh, that guy shreds, and then, well, cool, I'll go check him out. They so go check him out. Like, oh yeah, he rips, but he's a little more of a Joe Satriani player. And Satriani's not really a shred metal dude; he's more of a rock wix. Right. Yeah. Right. If, if you know
0: what I mean, you know yeah, what I mean. I, I, I definitely know what you mean. So, if if we if we take that idea of of these descriptors, right, this descriptor language, um, and you apply it, especially to the to the metal scene, right? There's, in in my opinion, being a punk rock guy, um, there's definitely some gatekeeping for punk rock. You know, that's. You know, that's not punk or that's too punk or, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, but I, I definitely get the sense, like, in the metal community, there's a lot of that that sort of gatekeeping, right? About what's what's real metal and what's true metal and what the proper labels are, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, and as we get older, especially for me, none of that shit matters, but it, it definitely matters to the people that are in the scene. And so you being very much involved in all of that, what, what's your take on this idea of gatekeeping and labels? Well,
1: me, when I was on tour, we, I can't remember the name of the band offhand, but you know, we we're like, I was like, oh, okay, you know, I was playing some death metal and stuff, and I remember being corrected by this guy going, no, dude, it's blackened death metal now, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was just like, you know, so when people say death metal, black metal, blackened death metal, grindcore. Uh, death grind core you know i'm just like dude just call it metal and just be done with it that's just that style of the band you know what i mean that's you just call it metal and that's that style of the band i mean back when i was younger i didn't go oh iron maiden is uh egyptian metal you know what i mean you didn't do that you just call it metal you know so uh but that's what i do now too i just like no it's metal you know what i mean instrumental album cool it's an instrumental album it's a metal album you know i don't right. i don't do those label stuff at all anymore you know even with um you know people go oh man do you gent? you know you're doing the gent stuff and it's just like oh, yeah i can understand how you're calling it gent but at the same time i mean when Meshuga first came out we didn't call them gent we just called them metal right you know mm-hmm. hey did you hear that metal band from from sweden or whatever they're from yeah 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 well they got some cool uh, timing stuff we didn't go oh man they gent <laughs> you know what i mean it's just a. Uh, uh, that's how I call it, you know, Yeah, or, or, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, when this, like this one kid was just like, you know, okay, well I'm in the pinch harmonics. So am I going to be, am I, oh, I, am pinch harmonic, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, you know, you
0: know, I think well, like if you bring up pinch harmonics, you, you know, if you're not Zach Wild and you're doing a shit ton of pinch harmonics, then, you know, you're just going to get labeled a Zach Wild copycat because that's his thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, they get that uh, a little bit here, you know, with the cover bands in my hometown, you know, they'll do, especially that low F sharp or G or something, you know, they do that pinch harmonic there, you know, but then at the same time, you know, you got other guys doing the Eddie Van Halen pinch harmonics, you know, with the Trello bar, you know, which people, you know. Uh, you know it's just here and there you know what I mean so but I guess I guess that's a different genre pinch harmonic tremolo bar
0: (laughs) one of the things I I read in one of the interviews was that you were influenced to to become a guitar player from Crossroads and and of course that's an older movie from the 80s you know when when I was in high school and stuff and and I know lots of people (laughs) that uh Mm -hmm that try to varying degrees of success to, to play like the Vi part in, in Crossroads, um, oh, yeah, yeah. which is, which is pretty insane. So everyone should go on YouTube and just pull up the, the head cutting thing in hell where uh, Ralph Macchio's character uh-huh. is playing, uh, playing guitar <laughs> against, against Steve Vi, who's representing the devil. So did you take the time to like learn that, that whole thing? Cause that's a pretty crazy oh, yeah. piece of music.
1: Yeah, we had to do that for um, the Eugene's classical thing that he ended up beating Steve I with. We had to learn that for music, classical guitar school. So that was one of the requirements because the teacher got so influenced from that too. Wow. So you got graded on that performance, how well you played that. But that was really cool. But yeah, I learned that note for note. I mean, when that that movie came out, I man, that nothing mattered to me in the world (laughs) except for a guitar. It didn't. I mean, not... uh, Chicky poos, or you know, whatever people like. Oh man, we're going to hear it. Oh, dope. I got to practice, man. You know, I was so into it. You know, I was like all right, if he's doing blues music, I got to learn blues music. He's doing classical guitar. I got to learn classical guitar. Um, And of course, Steve, I, you know, he was doing all the tremolo bar stuff. All right, I need to know how to do those tricks. Oh, what are those amplifiers in the background? What the hell's that? You know what I mean? (laughs) I was so into it, you know. And I still watch that movie at least probably once a month just to get, uh, you know. Some uh, mojo flowing when I go into the studio. You know, it's like sometimes I'm like, I don't want to go in there again. I'll put that on there. Like, all right, it's time to get in there. You know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) cool, cool. Then um, the, one of the other things I read was again I don't want to get too heavy into the incantation thing. You were in incantation. Uh, it uh-huh. ended rather acrimoniously. If if anybody wants to to get that, I, you know that's not really what the podcast is about. I'm I'm interested in other topics, but that ended. And and one of the things, one of the takeaways I had from one of the interviews you gave was some of the feedback that that you were too good. You were too good a guitar player, which to me I don't I don't understand what that means. Can you can you explain that a little bit more? Oh I don't
1: I don't know what that means either. That was their <laughs> statement on it. And I, I um I mean obviously I see metal on this side of the world and they see it as their thing on that side of the world. You know, and right. just when we were going in to do that new album, I just you know, a lot of kids were coming to the shows and every one of them would say Know, there's all this crazy shred guitar stuff live but it's not on n- none of the albums none of it you know what i mean so i wanted to push a little more um for that and uh they just weren't having it you know so uh a lot was cut but there was a lot that was kept which i was shocked you know uh, right. what was kept but um yeah it was just uh I, I, I don't know what that was, you know, I don't know if that was just their nice way of saying, uh, see ya, you know, or, um, or what the case may be, you know, but I was just in such a different style of music though, too. You know, I, I mean, it was nothing for me to go, uh, see we were playing 70,000 tons of metal. They would go look you know, go watch all these bands and I would go watch all the, the prog bands. Right. Right. You know what I mean, so, but, uh, but you got those different styles of music, you know, hitting each other like that. That's what, creates a phenomenal lineup or a phenomenal band because you have that, you know,
0: which is definitely, uh, I think that's kind of what you hit on. So I'm definitely, if anybody that knows me, I'm I'm of course a punk rock guy, but if I listen to metal, it's probably more melodic death metal. Right. So I'm into the, the Swedish mellow death stuff. I, I listen to that quite a lot. And I think what most people who don't listen to that style of music, they hear the vocals and they go, oh, there's, you know, there's no melody. And what they miss is that the guitars are supplying all the melody. Right. So all the beauty of the piece is coming from the guitar. And when I listen to your your new stuff from um, Arise from Worms. uh, So I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but Axes of the Voivode. Yep. Okay.
1: Yep. Yep. Close enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and especially part two, right? In the middle of it, there's some really, really interesting, like as you just said, more proggy guitar playing, right? And so mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily fit with this idea of especially Florida death metal or that or that sort of nineties sort of style of death metal obituary and that sort of thing. But yeah. but I think you've really kind of combined this idea of some technical death or Florida death with these cool proggy guitar parts. So is that what Arise From Worms has given you the opportunity to do as you as you step away from the previous band?
1: Um, it, it, it's hard to say. I mean, because I just went in the studio and just had to get the shit out of my head. You know, it was in my head forever. Right. You know. And uh, I always wanted to do a solo album from Incan, and just with the massive touring and doing another album, doing another album, another massive tour. Last thing I wanted to do was sit in a studio and and record, you know, I wanted to just chill out. But uh, I think a lot of it, a lot of this stuff was in my head and uh, I could just finally do what I would hear there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As far as the bass falling note for note on some of the lead parts and, uh, doing that stuff. I ne- I would never able to be able to do that within can. you know what I mean? Right. Um, like Steve, the singer uh, Tucker, you know, and he was just like, I don't even call this death metal, man. This is like you know, <laughs> frog technical metal, something, <laughs> you know, because just my voice, you know, my vocals are heavy, but he was like, the music is just so uh, different, you, you know, yeah. uh, for, for him at least, you know, and, and a lot of people said that, that that was different, you know, they're like, well, it kind of had an old school feel to it, but and then a modern feel yeah, to it, you yeah, know, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so I just wrote what, what was in my head and uh, it just started coming out and then I just started building off of it, you know, and now, you know, those four tunes, you know, released and then we're already, well, the drums are already done and the g- rhythm guitar is already done for the for the full length. So, and then it's talking to flow and he was like, I think these newer songs are even 10 times harder than I've ever done. You know, because the last two songs that I wrote for the full length, but I didn't play it on guitar. I wrote it all on paper. I wrote it all out. Okay. And then went in and started recording it. And then some of the stuff was beyond my capability. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like, holy shit! What did I write here? So it took me a while to get some of that. You know, so so that, so then what do you do? You just
0: that. you just practice what you've composed and and try to get it to the best of your ability, or is that?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'll manuscript the whole thing you know what i mean right. and then i'll go in the studio and then i'll do sections of it and then uh and sometimes what you writing on paper it's not too good so you got to go back and move things wrong,
0: right
1: you know and, and stuff like that but I, I probably spent two months on one song just writing it all out on paper and then another two and a half months trying to learn how to play what the hell i wrote <laughs> 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 no?
0: Uh, so y- you mentioned Steve Tucker, and I know that that Dallas okay. from from Nile is on the record. Um, and cool. uh, you know, if you read some of the interviews or some of the descriptors, it's like supergroup is thrown around, so death metal supergroup. So, so what's the story there? How did you get the players players involved?
1: Uh, well, me and Steve met on the last Incantor, and then we just talked about doing a few songs. You know, I said, so, yeah. hey, I got. And like I said, it was going to be a solo project. So I was like, Hey, you'd be interested in singing on it, you know? And he was just like, yeah, I'll be down to do a few songs. So he agreed. And then, uh, the drummer, we were going to get whatever happened with that, uh, got blown out of proportion. So Steve, uh, mentioned flow. Okay. So I got a hold of flow and he said, send me the track. So I did. And then he was in the studio the following week. Uh, recording so and then that's what we did there you know so um but that's how it came together and then uh, i think dallas i think i just end up asking him if he wanted to do a guest uh, guest guitar solo on it and then uh he did the solo and then um i think some vocal work on the one song and then uh, but that's how that came apart with with all those all those dudes you know but
0: you know, and like so was, this, was it recorded all separately? Everybody just did their parts like where they where they were?
1: Yeah, the drummer's probably eight hours into Canada, okay. you know, from the Buffalo border. So right. he has a studio up there and then Steve has his own. So everybody has their own studio now right. so they can do, get up off the couch, <laughs> do what they want to do when they're feeling <laughs> good and then, you know, go back to it and stuff like that, you know, and set up. You know, because Steve didn't want to go to a studio and be pressured, you know, right. go, 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 go. And then right. you're not getting exactly what you want, you know, so. yeah. Uh, but uh, that's how it went, you know, and then I could take the time on my guitar parts. I mean, uh, we decided to add one more song and this last song I'm still working on. Probably about three months I've been on this thing now and uh, I'm right towards the end of it, but I'm just not happy with certain parts. So I go in and change them and. <clears throat> you know uh because i didn't you know that i'm listening to the, the ep and stuff like that you know how you always go back oh i could have did this i could have right. did that or i could have did more and i think on the full length i actually did more and more you okay. know to okay. where i was happy where i could sit back and go man that just sounds like a a monkey falling down out of a tree man on <laughs> a video game <laughs> i just i just always wanted to write a part like that but finally i let somebody listen to it and they're like dude that literally sounds like somebody falling out of a freaking tree you know hits every branch coming down so it's like oh perfect you know and i even played with the time signatures and 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 the uh, uh the tempos even more than i ever have and uh you know like i said Flo flow was saying he goes these new songs were, were tough very tough to do you know because i the first set it was like okay that's cool and then i just kind of built off that where i knew where i wanted to go yeah you know what i mean now hearing that i was like all right i'm hearing that now i really know where i want to go with the style of it you know so
0: and uh, you're you're not writing lyrics at all right so you're composing right you're 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 hearing uh, the the musical pieces and and then you're putting it out
1: Yeah, I'll write all the music, you know what I mean? And then, you know, get the click tracks ready for flow and then I'll send it up to him and he'll do that. And then uh, uh, we'll send it down to Steve and uh, my engineer here, uh, Andrew, he wrote some lyrics. So on the full length, it's going to be me, Andrew and Steve writing the lyrics for the full length. Is it just even if I had a stupid sentence? you know, like four words. I wrote it down and I sent it to the guys. They're like, dude, just if something pops in your head, no matter if it's two words, just send it because they might be able to build off that. You know what I mean? So I says, this might not make sense. I never wrote lyrics before in my life. I was just so busy with the music, you know, and now I'm starting to kind of get into it. And then, you know, watching how many uh lord of the rings uh movies to you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, and then getting my phone out and looking up technical words instead of using the same words all the time you know and then oh, I'm like, this even makes this even makes sense that's you
0: amazing know? that's amazing yeah
1: so and then andrew the one uh the engineer he's like did you ever write poetry before and i go no why because was like because everything you're sending so, is like a poet you know, and I was like, I don't know. I'm just going with it. You know, it's like it was in my head. So I wrote it down and then I emailed it to you.
0: <laughs> Maybe you need to go to Slam Poetry Night somewhere up there in Erie. And uh, and there is
1: one. You... Yeah. My friend invited me, you know, because <laughs> I was uh, reading some of the uh, uh, poems and they're like, did you ever write poems before? And I go, no, why? I'm just trying to write some lyrics. And I'm like, this is pretty good.
0: <laughs> so it's like, oh, OK, you know. But so one of the things with writing complex music is, you know, if I listen to a band like Between the Buried and Me or some of these these proggier sort of metal bands, it's, you know, the song consists of a hundred riffs all put together somehow. And it again, coming from a punk background where, you know, I'm playing root fifth chords and I'm maybe using four chords in the whole song and then changing something for a bridge. Um, mm-hmm. It's such a different ap- approach, right? So it's it's always surprising to me how someone like you can can fit those pieces together, you know? Do you ever think about, um, like, the process itself?
1: Well, what I did is, I know what you're talking about, like a, a billion riffs, you know, yeah. with some of these bands, you know, because sometimes I'm listening to them and I'm like, I don't even hear the vocalist anymore. He's kind of on the back burner, you know? <laughs> but what I did with the Arise stuff is... is I wanted to make sure there was a riff for his vocals. You know what I mean? And then put the the crazy stuff around it because I didn't want to take away from his vocal stuff. Okay. You know, if okay. it was so technical and stuff like that, I says, No, I says, I want a riff. And I think that's what a lot of people liked about it. They said it was technical and crazy, but they says there's a friggin' riff. When the singing's going on, right. it's repeating and they can get into it and bang and move their head a little bit. OK, I can dig this. And then all of a sudden there's this crazy harmony stuff. OK, that's cool. You know what I mean? Right. So I think I I sectioned it out pretty good like that because I know what it is. I'll come up with a billion riffs, you know what I mean? And then, but I'm the same way. You know, I listen to some of these crazy technical bands and all of a sudden I'm not even listening to the vocalist anymore. You know, I'm listening to the bass player, I'm listening right. to the guitar player and I'm like, boss. Oh, so this would be a great instrumental album, you know? (laughs) Right, right.
0: Let's switch gears here and talk a little bit about touring. So you've done some pretty extensive touring, and I want to talk about some of the, like the ability to make money when you're on a tour as a as a touring metal band but before we get there one Mm -hmm. of the things on your last incantation tour you dealt with a lot of physical pain right and you didn't get a lot of sympathy again this is coming from interviews that i read you didn't get a lot of sympathy or empathy from from your bandmates um so when, when you're in and I don't want to get into the TMZ part of it, honestly, but, but I'm interested, like when you're on tour and you're playing difficult guitar parts and you're experiencing physical pain, um, Mm -hmm. that's, that can easily start to turn into some mental, uh, turmoil for you. Right. So how, how are you dealing with, with all of this?
1: Well, I, I started just kind of staying to myself, you know, on the last tour because my hands were in so much friggin' pain. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'd have to put like eighty guitar picks on the top of the amp head and I would probably go through all of those in a set. And I got so used to grabbing them so quickly you couldn't even tell, you know what I mean, because my strength was just giving out. Right. And uh but yeah, it was it was painful and and, and just I I just I wasn't a whiner complainer of like, Oh man, my hands, oh my hands, you know, or or you know, something's wrong. I don't know what's wrong, you know. I, I just kinda kept to myself and tried to have a good time and and, uh, it, you know, I had a great time with all the other bands beside my own people, <laughs> you know? but, uh, um, but yeah, it was just, uh, it, it does mess with you because all of a sudden you're like, okay, if I keep going like this, you're going to cause more injury. Right. Then you might not be able to play at all. Right, then, then, right. you know, you, you've been doing this since 10 years old and you're almost 50 now. And all of a sudden they take away your hands. It's is like, Oh, uh, life's over. Right. Or, you right. Know, right. That
0: type thing. You know? it's, it's it's your life. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about now. You know, we're talking about your livelihood. And so when you're going out on tour or when you're recording, what's the what's the plan here for you? And obviously we don't need to get into the specifics, but is your objective to, to make money, you know? I'm sure you, like me, when we're all little kids, we all harbor these dreams of playing, you know, Madison Square Garden and, and being Aussie, you know, if we're talking about Aussie and doing that sort of stuff. Um, but for you now, realistically, what makes a successful tour? What makes a successful record? Just making your money back or, you know, what are you trying to do?
1: Um, But the, the main thing is I'm just trying to get some music out there so people can know what i can really play like
0: mm-hmm.
1: you, you know what i mean i mean we had when i sent this first off to the management company they wrote back and like we didn't even know you could play like this i was like it worked for you for almost 10 years what do you mean you know what i mean because i play <laughs> incantation music right. they didn't know right. you know and they even said we honestly thought this was gonna suck He goes, I'm just being honest with you, you know, (laughs) He goes. we didn't know it was going to be this good. I don't think anybody thought it was going to turn out good. They just thought it was everybody thought it was just going to be probably a little project and throw it on the back burner. And that was it, you know, but I wanted uh, I started getting the satisfaction of like, okay, I can feel myself in these songs.
0: Right.
1: I I know what I'm trying to say here. Now I want to get it out to some people. You know what I mean? And it's been going over so well and now I wanna take it out on the on the road after the full length's done, you know, and, and and do it like that. Um, I mean obviously to go on the road it you gotta pay bills, you know what I you mean? Know. That's just reality. I mean if, if a band's gone on the road and, and they're not making enough money for it to pay itself or for them to come home and say, Hey, I got my shutoff notice for the gas bill, right. they can't pay it, then you know you're hurting. Right, <laughs> you right, know. Right. But uh, so people say, "Oh, is it about money or is it not about money?" Technically, it's not about money. But at the same time, it's reality that you have to have money to pay right. the bills. Right. And if you go out on the road for a month and a half and you come home, and I've said this like a thousand times before, I can't call your ga- or your, your car, you know, your car payment and say, "Hey, I had a wonderful time in Paris, man, but I don't have any money to pay. You, you know <laughs> what I mean? They're going to come get your shit. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, it's just uh, just kind of a reality check, I think, for a lot of people. But I mean, the main thing that uh, is this when I started recording and I could hear this shit back and I'm feeling what I'm feeling inside, that was the big thing for me.
0: Right.
1: You know, that right. was it. That, that kept me driving. I'm like, all right, I want to get more of this and more of that. You know, I want to take. Um, what Dream Theater is doing, and stick it in this music. You know what I mean? And, and strive off of that. I want to get uh, back into what I what I normally did because for twenty some years I jammed with people. They didn't know any music theory, right? You know, I'd say to Incan, "Hey, we've got too much E all the time. Let's put F sharp here and make it. You know, let's do this little diminished thing here. Oh, well, I don't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I had to go in and actually, when I left Incan and I started going in the studio. I knew the licks, but I, I couldn't remember the names anymore. You know what I mean? I couldn't remember a, a, a C7 flat five. You know what I mean? I was like, Oh my God, I, what's the name of this? So I had to go back and, and start renaming naming everything that I knew because I knew the sounds that I wanted on the recording, but I couldn't get them out because I wasn't I couldn't remember the names right. of certain things, you know. And then once I started getting back and flowing with it again, I was like, all right, there we go. So you,
0: you, you know? basically had to go back in school and, and relearn all the stuff that, that you had forgotten over the past 10 years.
1: Yeah, i forgotten. I mean, I was going, my fingers were smarter than my brain. You know what I mean? My fingers would go, it'd be, you know, I'd be doing these sweeping arpeggios like crazy, you know. And people are like, oh, that's cool. What's, that? What's the name of that? And I'd go, holy shit, I can't remember you know what I mean? Nobody's asked me that now long, you know? Um, so I had to go back and just learn the names of things and stuff like that, you know? Right. But uh, I mean, but it feels so good when you go in and you work hard on a riff or, a, or an arpeggio sequence or something and you lay it down on tape and you can do that and you don't have somebody come in and say, that's too much. Yeah. I will never go through that again. I, I just won't, you know. And that's what was happening with them. It was like that's too much. And I kept saying, how can there be too much friggin' metal? Right. You know, I mean, more is more.
0: <laughs> how can know? there be it's too just, much metal? I think every yeah. metalhead would agree with you. More metal yeah. is better than less metal, right? That's- yeah. <laughs>
1: and it was just, it was just my 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 personality thing. For me, metal is a Marshall stack, your pedal, your guitar. Screaming friggin' guitar solos or whatever it is, that's metal to me. Right. Right. I'm not the type of guy that puts the goat horns up in the air and wave that around and go metal, metal, metal. I mean, yeah, okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? But I was always the guy, oh man, stack. Look at this stack. Well, you know, when I was a little kid, check out this friggin' pedal man. You know, you know that vibe when you're younger? <laughs> right. So you go into the music store and be like, look at that friggin' guitar, man. And you just, you pick it up and you're like, like, you know, the gods gave you the sword, you right,
0: know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and, and speaking of that, one last thing here be, before I let you go, Sonny, there's a okay. picture, there's an older picture of you holding what I think is one of Michelangelo Batio's like double, double guitars with the two necks that go this way. Uh-huh. Did yeah. you ever, did you ever play that thing? Yeah. I played that live quite a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: There's uh, there's, I have his, I have one of his original six strings. Okay. And then my guitar company Halo uh, built me another one, which is a double H string. And that has the, um, the saw clown on it.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, they built that for me and, I'll tell you what, man, you could do some wicked harmonies with that thing, man, you know?
0: (laughs) Well, maybe you could, but a normal person like me could not. Well,
1: it's it's easier than what you think. I mean, because the left hand will follow the right hand for harmonies. Okay. The hardest thing is holding the pick, you know, completely left-handed, you know what I mean? That's the hard part, but as far as, like, harmonies and stuff like that, yeah, you... (laughs) messing around with it for a couple of days you'd be able to get it you know but um i used to play it live and then um there'd be so many bands on tour or festivals or whatever it was just it's a little bit harder to set up than just plugging in and playing you gotta have two separate amplifiers right. and all that right. stuff it just became a pain in the in the in the rump roast you know and it was like okay we only got 20 minutes to jam i we would try to get the songs out more than you know a double guitar thing and stuff like that so uh, right. but i still use it for harmonies in the, in the studio because sometimes over over tracking i'm not getting the same same vibe yeah
0: yeah you
1: know, it sounds cool but i was like let me try it on the double guitar in the studio and then they're like oh it sounds way more evil so we'll that, keep that
0: <laughs> that is that is truly truly insane um, yeah. So as always for everyone that's on on the show everyone that's listening I'll drop all the links in the podcast description you can check it out I, I definitely recommend it even if you're not a metal guy I think they're if you're into guitars um, I think I think you'll dig it I want to thank everyone who's listening and supporting the podcast your support is very much appreciated uh, thanks to Sonny uh, for, thank you, for being on the show man it's been it's been great to talk to you
1: Yeah, thanks, buddy. I appreciate
0: it.